My little sticky note says that November 22nd is the worst day of this coming week. Now, the week started off with Venus Neptune, which is disappointment in love. And it actually hasn't changed in the best of ways as we've moved through the week. And save for on November 21st, we have the Venus Chronos. It's looking like a pretty shabby week in general. As far as ratchet weeks go, this one is the most ratchet. So this week is a bit of a problem. Hi there, everyone. Michael A. Bryan here from the Oracular School of Astrology with next week's astrology for November 19th to 25th, 2023. Now, if this is your first time joining us here on next week's astrology, this is where I give you all of the astrological combinations that we have for the week ahead. I've also started adding the Uranian astrology planets because Uranian astrology is a major part of my own astrological obsession, and I'm so excited to be able to share that with you within this context. Now, before we dive in, I just want to let you know about an exciting and extraordinary event that we have coming up in January 2024. We will be launching our Uranian Astrology for Practicing Astrologers Intensive. So if you are a practicing astrologer and you want to practice astrology in a more accurate, concrete, and event-based way, then come and study Uranian Astrology with us this coming January 2024. Uranian Astrology for me represents one of the most concrete applications of Western astrology in the world today. And and I'm so excited to be able to share it with you within the context of this intensive. In this intensive, I'll teach you everything you could possibly want to know about Uranian astrology from a historical perspective, as well as the traditional astrology roots of Uranian astrology, and also the most important thing, how to understand how planets interact with each other to specifically describe the concrete events that occur on our Earth. So if you are ready to take your astrology to a whole new level and to grow a real sense of skillfulness around how to understand astrology from a more planet-to-planet-based perspective, then you definitely want to join us in our upcoming Uranian Astrology for Practicing Astrologers Intensive, which begins this January 2024. In preparation for that intensive, I'm giving a free lecture series called Planetary Pairs, which happens every week until we finish going through all the planetary pairs. Last week, we went through the pairs to the midheaven, and I'm going to post that video on YouTube shortly. And if you haven't been in any of these lectures, it is an extraordinary experience to learn more about how planets work together with each other. I teach you everything that you could possibly want to know. And that's actually not true because there is so much to know, but I teach you everything that you could possibly need in order to start thinking about your astrology from a more planetary-based way. In the Uranian Intensive, we're going to do much more than that, but as a resource that you'll always have access to, I'm creating this free lecture series on the planetary pairs, and if you want to join us for a live recording of that, then you could visit our website at oraculosastrology.com and sign up for our next recording of our planetary pairs free lecture series by visiting our upcoming events page. 
Now, without further ado, here is next week's astrology with your Uranian Astrology Weekly Report for the week of November 19th to 25th, 2023. Do enjoy. Amazing things have been occurring within the world that have corresponded with these reports. As you all know, the very first week that we started doing this was for the first week of October. And in that, I spoke about how the Mars-Pluto square relationship that we had coming up represented this threat of war or, or war and rumors of war. And we saw how that played out within the actual reality of the world within that first week of October. Now, something else that I said and that I've been speaking about for the last few weeks has been the likelihood of there being a volcanic eruption. And I'm going to put a snippet of that here so that you all can hear that basically for weeks I've been speaking about the likelihood of this volcanic eruption. The very last thing we have happening on October 17th at 8.58 p.m. EDT is Mars in a square relationship with Vulcanus. That's a lot of fire. Now on this day, we see this doubling of this firepower because we have Mars in a square relationship with Vulcanus. Vulcanus sounds like volcano. And the reason why it sounds like volcano is because even the glyph of Vulcanus is looking like a volcano. And the glyph of Vulcanus has the arrow of Mars, the upward pointing arrow of Mars, mounted upon the upward pointing triangle of fire. And that is meant to indicate this excess of firepower within the world. Now on this day, the 27th of October at 12.49 p.m. EDT, we have the sun in a square relationship with Vulcanus. And Sun Square Volcanus is another great thing we like to see from a medical astrology perspective. It has to do with vitality and physical strength and the muscular power that we have in general. It has to do with powerful people rising to the surface to deal with the challenges that they find themselves faced with. Sun Volcanus is also a day of volcanic eruptions. And the reason why we say this is because the sun is releasing the day or giving us the time frame of the day. And Vulcanus has to do with volcanoes. So Sun Vulcanus is also the day of the volcanic eruption. This might be something that we find manifesting within our new cycles, that some long dormant volcano finally decides to erupt. And that can be something that is just prevalent within the world at large. I'm doing a larger Monday in astrology project and probably within that Monday in astrology project, I need to look at the charts of 10 volcanic eruptions to see whether or not the sun and Volcanus were prominent within those charts. But I'm pretty sure that Volcanus is going to have a very prominent role within any chart where we find a massive volcanic eruption. What someone recently sent me was that there has been a volcano that's erupted in the middle of the ocean in Japan, and it's an underwater volcano that nobody knew existed at all. And as a result of this volcanic eruption, there's a new island forming within Japan. Now, I don't know about you, <laughs> but volcanoes don't erupt every single day. And as far as I know, I haven't seen anybody else who's predicted the likelihood of a volcanic eruption. And on the one hand, I feel like that's a super cool thing. But on the other hand, my prediction for that was specifically through the use of the trans-Neptunian planets, because 
there have been several contacts of the Sun and Vulcanus and Mars and Vulcanus. Vulcanus, which is a trans-Neptunian planet that corresponds naturally with volcanoes. And that, I believe, that's what I was looking at in terms of discussing this likelihood of a volcanic eruption. So the point is, I use the trans-Neptunian planets because I see them manifest within the world at large, and I also see them manifesting very strongly from a mundane astrology perspective, but they also manifest very powerfully within the context of our actual natal-based astrology practice. So I wanted to share that because sometimes it gives me goosebumps as well. Now, diving into the astrology for the week ahead, the very first thing that we have on November 19th is Venus in a parallel relationship with Neptune, and that's happening at 2.01 a.m. EST. Venus-Neptune, for me, is the combination of disappointment in love. And I think it's ironic <laughs> that the combination for disappointment in love is happening on the day of birth of an ex-boyfriend of mine who was definitely representing a sore spot of disappointment in love at that time in my life. So we have the Venus-Neptune combination, and that represents disappointment in love in general. And I think beyond that, Venus-Neptune corresponds with this sense of rapture or this sense of being swept off of our feet from a love perspective. Oftentimes when we have Venus-Neptune within our charts, there can be a sense of us being hopeless romantics and of us rushing into love or rushing into these deep intimate connections because they completely sweep us off of our feet and we get completely lost in the magic and the momentum of them. There is something very spiritual about the sort of love connection that we have and that we find when we're having Venus-Neptune within our charts. It creates a transcendental feeling of love. It creates a love that feels amazing and divine and wonderful and love has never loved as lovely as this before in the entire universe of love. It creates this very strong sense of this object of our affection being the only thing that actually exists. And the challenge with that is that very often when we pour our everything into the receptacle of an object that represents the completion of our concept of love, or even a person who represents the completion of our concept of love, things fall apart. <laughs> you know, objects break and people die. And so the reality is that things and the nature of things is to be transient. The nature of everything within our physical world is to be in a state of constant flux and reflux. So when we invest so much of all of our heart's desires into one person, people change. And that doesn't say that love that lasts forever doesn't actually exist, but even within the context of long-lasting love connections, there is still room for disappointment, there's still room for having to grow independent, there's still room for having to realize that that person isn't going to be in your life forever, or that that person isn't going to be able to support you in the ways that you need to be supported forever. So even within the most divine love connection, we still have to maintain a sense of our personal autonomy. 
routine. And Venus-Neptune is a combination where we oftentimes lose our personal autonomy or we oftentimes give up our personal autonomy because we become a part of this amorphous mass of love that exists between ourselves and this other person that we lose ourselves and we forget who we are completely within the context of that. And because we've given so much of ourselves away, when that person reveals that they can't actually do everything for us in the way that we assume they could, we end up with a sense of disappointment in love. Therefore, my go-to phrase for Venus Neptune is disappointment in love. It represents a sensitive person in general, a person who wants to take part in this getting lost in love situation, but it also represents somebody who is renouncing love or who is unhappy in love or who says they're never going to be in love again as a result of this feeling of being betrayed by love or being deceived by love or being let down by love. Whenever we have Neptune in combination with things, it oftentimes creates a sense of unreliability within that thing. So Venus-Neptune creates the combination of unreliability in love in general. Now, another thing that I've often noted is that when it comes to Venus-Neptune, those people, Venus-Neptune people, tend to have a very strong artistic or a very strong transcendental artistic faculty about themselves. And I find it interesting that people who have the combination of disappointment and love tend to be the most amazing artists in the world. And while I say that, it's kind of not that interesting because look at Adele, for example. I've never seen Adele's chart because as you all know, I don't look at celebrity charts. I think it's a rather boring and lackluster waste of astrological time, personally, for me and my body. However, Adele's whole career <laughs> was about heartbreak and falling out of love and the whole nine yards. And so I think it is interesting, but it's actually not that interesting that people who create amazing works of art are oftentimes people who aren't necessarily having the greatest love life in the world. So the Venus-Neptune combination is also amazing for art, but it also carries this tinge of disappointment in love. And that's what we have starting off on November 19th, Venus parallel Neptune. It's a weird day in general. And truthfully, I have so much more I can say about this, but Venus-Neptune, from a natal perspective, oftentimes feels like having Neptune conjunct the seventh house cusp. So if you have Neptune conjunct the seventh house cusp and doing nothing to your Venus at all, you might still have this sort of situation manifesting in your life. So if you are someone who has Neptune in the seventh house, or you have Venus-Neptune, or the ruler of your seventh house is being squared or opposite Neptune or conjunct Neptune or quincunx Neptune or any of these things, let us know down below in the comment section what your experience of love has been like and whether or not this resonates with you. Also, if you've had Neptune transiting your seventh house cusp or by solar arc direction conjunct your seventh house cusp, or by secondary directions coming to the seventh house. Neptune on the seventh was actually the name of 
a dance performance I was going to put on to talk about all of my awful love experiences in life, even though I don't have Neptune on the 7th. But a lot of my past relationships have definitely felt like I'm a person with Neptune on the 7th. So I was going to put on this whole astrology dance extravaganza about Neptune in the 7th. So if you're somebody who has Neptune in the 7th, or if you just have a challenging love life, let us know down below in the comment section and also let us know how that shows up within your birth chart astrologically. Now moving on, on this day we also have Sun-Mars and we have the Sun in a parallel relationship with Mars and that's happening at 10.11 p.m. EST. And Sun-Mars is a very powerful combination in terms of energy. When it comes to combining the meanings of planets, what you should do should should is a funky word. It's probably not the most appropriate word in the world. And I think that when I speak within this sort of setting, I feel like I'm speaking with my family or I feel like I'm speaking with my students. And so within the context of that, I think I probably do use the word should <laughs> quite a bit. But the reason for that is because we practice a very specific type and a very specific school of astrology at the Oraculo School of Astrology. However, this isn't to say that other schools of astrology and other techniques and other traditions don't work or aren't effective. And the reason why I'm saying this is because I recently found my name at the center of a very heated discussion about teaching basically, and about teaching a specific style of astrology as if that's the only style. And I kind of was caught off guard by it because that really isn't my narrative at the Oraculo School of Astrology. My narrative at the Oraculo School of Astrology is that I have devised a specific set of skills and a specific set of tools that specifically work within the context of my astrological practice. And that's what I share with my students at the Oraculo School of Astrology. I don't know what other people share with their students in their schools of astrology. I'm really not the one to comment on it because I don't know what other people do. But I do think that it is good and I do think that it's also quite okay to run an organization based on a particular set of principles or practices and to know that those are the principles and practices that guide that organization. So anyway, I'm just saying that to say that whatever you do within your specific school of astrology, if it works for you, if it makes you feel as if you are doing good work, if you're doing accurate work, if you're doing work that directly speaks to the heart of your clients and brings them closer to a feeling of cosmic alignment, then by all means, do that thing. Because there isn't one path of astrology and there is no one person who is the be-all and the end-all of astrological anything, which is a part of why I'm always in the state of studying. But just know that if you're practicing within a specific school, then chances are that school holds its principles and its practices in the way that it does for a reason. And the reason oftentimes is to maintain the integrity of the product that that school creates. So I know that was a little bit of an unexpected tangent, but I think it was necessary to say just because, like I said, I've recently found myself at the center of a discussion that I probably don't think I should have been in. So moving on, the Sun-Mars is a combination that oftentimes represents physical strength. When we're combining the meanings of planets, I believe 
that the easiest way to do that is to have one word from both of those planets. So the sun is oftentimes representing a physical force, and Mars is oftentimes representing strength or energy. So Sun-Mars could represent physical strength or physical energy or physical vitality or physical stamina or any of these words. Sun-Mars is a wonderful combination from the perspective of medical astrology because a person who has Sun-Mars is a person who has a very good recuperative ability, but a part of having a very strong recuperative fire within yourself is also the fact that you just carry lots of fire within yourself in general. So those people can tend to express hotter emotions far easily than they express wet emotions such as depression or sadness or empathy or things to that effect. So Sun Mars people tend to be very fiery, passionate, independent, self-motivated, sometimes angry, sometimes easily irritated, because those tend to be the sort of emotional reactions that we find manifesting when we have these two planets coming together. It's a very good combination in terms of people who are doing handiwork. It's also a combination for the soldier, the person who knows how to be in physical battle. Once again, sun giving us the word physical, Mars giving us the word battle, a person who knows how to be in physical battle would be a soldier, and the Sun-Mars is a very good combination for that as well. So this day is having a bit of a spiciness to it as we move deeper into the day, and it's something worth knowing. It's going to be late at night for those of us on the East Coast, but depending on where you are in the world, you might still be experiencing this actively. Now moving on, the last aspect the moon will make before she goes void, of course, on November 20th is going to be her square to the sun, and that's happening at 5.49 a.m. EST. And I don't really have much to say about the moon's square sun in general, other than the fact that from a natal astrology perspective, there are certain things we look at to indicate the harmony or the lack of harmony that existed within our household and home. And if a person has the ruler of the 4th house and the ruler of the 10th house in a hard aspect configuration, or in a challenging planetary configuration such as a quincunx, then chances are their parents never saw eye to eye and their parents also divorced. If on top of having the ruler of the 4th house and the ruler of the 10th house in a hard aspect configuration, that person also has the moon in a hard aspect configuration with the sun or the moon in a quincunx relationship with the sun, this is another corroborative factor that the parents did not see eye to eye and that the parents also divorced. The flip side of this moon, quincunx, sun situation is yes, it oftentimes represents the divorce of the parents, but something that I've noted within my astrological practice is that oftentimes when we have the moon, quincunx, sun within the chart of somebody who's heterosexual, that also becomes a divorce signature within their own marital life. So my parents divorced and I find myself carrying on that ancestral thread into my own marital life because I also find myself in a relationship that ends up in divorce. So if you're somebody who has the moon in the quincunx relationship with the sun, and when I say quincunx, I really mean a one degree quincunx. 
fine. Maybe I mean a two-degree quincunx. At the maximum, I mean a three-degree quincunx because I really don't like wide orbs when it First of all, I don't like wide orbs in general, but I definitely don't like wide orbs when it comes to quincunxes. So if you are someone who has the moon in the quincunx relationship with the sun and it's very, very, very tight, let us know down below in the comment section and also let us know whether or not that manifested within your life in terms of your parents divorcing or and if you also subsequently find yourself in a relationship or have found yourself in a relationship that ended in divorce. Let's do it for the science of astrology. So that's the moon in the hard aspect relationship with the sun happening on November 20th at 5.49 a.m. EST, which means the moon is going to be void, of course, until 9.28 a.m. EST. So chances are you don't really want to do anything between those hours. But at 9.30 a.m. EST, you're good to go because the moon is going to be ingressing into Pisces. Now, the next thing that we have happening on this day, and on my sticky note, I titled this day, A Very, Very Bad Day, the 20th of November. So you definitely want to mark your calendars for this because the 20th of November is looking like a very, very bad day. Now, on this day, we also have Venus in a square relationship with Hades, and that's happening at 7.11 a.m. EST. Hades, in general, represents all things that are repulsive and all things that are dirty. Hades represents loneliness and dirt and poverty and isolation and lingering illnesses. Hades is representing abnormal and difficult circumstances. It represents filth. It represents all of the things that we don't actually like to talk about in life, the underbelly of life that nobody likes to acknowledge. Those things are represented by Hades. The glyph of Hades is essentially a moon a waning crescent moon, which already is kind of a bad omen, but it's a waning crescent moon with a cross passing through it. So we get with Hades this concept of a moon-Saturn relationship because within traditional astrology, the cross is used to indicate Saturn just as much as it's used to indicate the earth and the earth element. So the Hades glyph could be thought of as a moon-Saturn conjunction, essentially. Therefore, another thing that Hades represents is the sorrow of women in particular, and it's also a combination of widows. On this day, we have Venus in a square relationship with Hades, and that combination represents repulsiveness in love. It represents dirty-minded love, low-purchasable love. When people are having Venus Hades, those people oftentimes find themselves in relationships that are dirty or relationships that other people would be turned off by or relationships that just don't work. But they find themselves in those relationships because they think that that's all they deserve. And they don't actually think they deserve to be in a better form of a love connection. I once had a client who had Venus Hades and when I described Venus Hades to her, I said that the Venus Hades combination can represent a sense of love that isn't attractive or love that turns people off or love that is repulsive. And she said, and she was a stunningly beautiful woman, and she said she's only attracted to extremely ugly men. 
that's a Venus Hades combination. And there was a whole long story behind why that was the case for her, but she said that she's only attracted to extremely ugly men and whatever her definition of ugly is, I'm not necessarily sure, but that for her was her thing. And she said she's a very jealous woman and so she wants to be with a man who isn't necessarily going to be taken from her. Who knows where that way of being in the world originates within a person's soul and psyche, but for her that was a completely justifiable stance for her to take in terms of her intimate connections. So that's something that we're seeing with the Venus Hades in general. Now, on the bright side, it also represents old, beautiful things because Hades is also having a connection with the far distant past. So Venus Hades also has to do with the beauty that comes from antiquities or the beauty that comes from old things as well. I once described Venus Hades as the beauty that we find in dead flowers. When people preserve flowers in wax or in some other sort of base, that's kind of very much a Venus Hades sort of thing. The preservation of ancient beauty or the preservation of old beauty or being able to find beauty in something that's old. So that's a Venus Hades combination as well. But in general, it's not a day of peace. And in general, it's a very ugly, harsh day where people are expressing ugly, harsh, vile, immoral feelings within the world at large. And this is only one part of what makes this day, the 20th, of November be such a bad day in general. The next thing that we have happening, like I said earlier, is the moon ingressing into Pisces, and that's happening at 9.28 a.m. EST. But the last thing we have happening on this day is the sun in a sesquiquadrate relationship with Hades, and that's happening at 8.55 p.m. EST. Now, we remember that at the start of the current war that's happening in Israel, that was on a day when we had the sun in a square relationship with Hades. So, the war started when we had sun-Hades operative in the sky. Because the sun has to do with the ability to make things physical, and Hades has to do with disgusting, repulsive acts. And so that's pretty much what we found happening on that day. The combination of Sun Hades has to do with the diseased body, Hades being the planet for disease, and the Sun representing our physical body. It has to do with deformed or mutilated bodies in general. It has to do with an unfortunate day or a day where we are pursued by misfortunes. So this day, November 20th, could very likely be a day when we're finding a huge spike within the world around us in terms of ugliness and in terms of atrocities on this day, the 20th of November. The last time the sun was in contact with Hades, we had the beginning of the war, and now we have the sun coming to Hades once more. And so who knows the level of calamity this day is going to present or produce for us. But you heard it here first on the Oraculos podcast, and you also heard it through us using the trans-Neptunian planet, because Hades isn't actually a planet. When you go to a school child and say, hey, what are the planets? Nobody says Hades. They say, my very educated mother fed me pizzas or something, and Hades isn't one of the pizzas. So the reality is that there's this idea that the trans-Neptunian planets don't hold a lot of gravitas or weight because they don't have the same 
corporeal nature as the actual planets that we have within our solar system. But once again, I find that to be a moot argument just because there's a lot of things in our astrology that doesn't have a physical basis that we still hold on to vehemently, such as your ascendant. Your ascendant isn't real, but I'd be damned if I saw somebody willingly give up their ascendant. Your midheaven isn't real. The nodes aren't real. But if you have moon conjunct the south node, you probably had a mother who wasn't the nicest person in the world. I'll leave it at that. So the reality of the matter is, or you probably had a mother who died very young within your life when you were a child, so there was this huge absence of the mother within your life. So the point is that we have other things in astrology that don't have a corporeal body, and we still use them, and the trans-Neptunian planets, in my opinion, are no different. So the 20th of November is a day to watch. It's not a good day at all. And let's see what happens on that day. I also think that as far as the war in Israel is concerned, we had the sun Hades on the 6th, and then the war broke out on the 7th. So who knows? Well, not who knows, but we know. The point is that we're either looking at this day, the 20th, or we're looking at the 21st as being the window within which the event happens or the event materializes. Now moving on through to the 21st of November, we have Venus in a square relationship with Kronos and that's happening at 11.08 p.m. EST. Kronos, from a Uranian astrology perspective, is representing independence and the boss or the highest way of showing up within the world, the highest way of doing something. Kronos has to do with authority or the ruler or the chief or the president. Kronos has to do with the loftiest ruler that exists or the highest head of state or the highest height that can be aspired to. Those things are all Kronos concepts. I've once said that Kronos has to do with the greatest type of Saturn that we can imagine. Saturn operating in his most benevolent way as being the just overlord, essentially. Kronos has to do with everything and anything that is above and beyond average. So on this day, we have Venus Kronos. Venus Kronos is the sort of combination you'd find within the chart of Mother Teresa or somebody who is working in charity for the Red Cross, for the Salvation Army, because Venus Kronos means all of these things. So on this day, we see a rise in humanitarian efforts that begin to spread throughout the world at large because Venus Kronos can also be thought of as a planet as a planetary combination that represents this proliferation of humanitarian charity or humanitarian goodwill. So who knows, maybe some very awful things kick off on the 20th of November, and as we move into the 21st, the response from the world at large is this overwhelming, altruistic, humanitarian, philanthropic, charitable sense of providing support or providing aid or providing service. So this is something that we see manifesting within the world at large on the day November 21st. Venus Kronos also has to do with decorations with flags. Venus having to do with decorations, Kronos having to do with flags. So maybe on this day in the news, there's a building that's opened or there's a business that's opened that has to do with some humanitarian aid or assistance and they choose to decorate the building with flags. Who knows? 
but let's pay attention to this day as well, the 21st of November. Now, coming up to the 22nd of November, my little sticky note says that November 22nd is the worst day of this coming week. Now, the week started off with Venus Neptune, which is disappointment in love. And it actually hasn't changed in the best of ways as we've moved through the week. And save for on November 21st, we have the Venus Chronos. It's looking like a pretty shabby week in general. As far as ratchet weeks go, this one is the most ratchet. So this week is a bit of a problem. And on this day, we have the combination of Mars and Hades. We have Mars Sasquatch Quadrate Hades, and that's happening on November 22nd at 1.27 a.m. EST. Mars Hades is the combination of homicide, it's the combination of cold-blooded murder. It's the combination of ruthless, mean acts that are intended to inflict pain and cause violence within the world. So we might have seen a glimmer of hope on November 21st with the Venus Square Kronos, but going into November 22nd, we have the combination of atrocity as well as vulgar acts in general, and also to intentionally cause damage to others. One can argue that this entire period of time that we're in, we've seen people intentionally causing damage to others, but the 22nd of November is definitely looking like the worst day, and that's, you know, the 20th was a hard act to follow with the sun in the sesquiquadrate relationship with Hades, but the 22nd of November has definitely pushed that way out of the ballpark because the 22nd of November is the worst day that we have manifesting in this coming week. Mars Hades also has to do with unusual death. It has to do with unusual death, serious sicknesses, faulty actions, Mars being actions, Hades being fault, faulty actions, the wrong use of power, all of these things manifesting on this day. So in a period of time where many, many people are dying, this day might be a day where the death toll increases exponentially. And it's also looking like a day where if the death toll is increasing exponentially, there also seems to be an unusual nature surrounding the nature of those deaths. So who knows what comes next? Who knows what's the next thing people are going to do? How many ways can people find to kill each other? We just might discover a new one on this day, November 22nd, 2023. Moving on, on this day, we also have Venus in the sesquiquadrate relationship with Saturn, equally as bad, not equally as bad, Mars Hades takes the cake, but Venus Saturn isn't really good for anyone. Venus Saturn is happening at 1.27 a.m. EST. The combination of Venus Saturn is the combination of sorrow in love. It's also the combination of separation in love. It's the combination of divorce in love. Anything that could possibly end love happens under the auspices of Venus Saturn. I think from a more global perspective, it has to do with an interruption of harmony or a hindrance to peace. Hindrance coming from the Saturn, peace coming from the Venus. So on this day, there could be a very real sense of there being inhibitions in terms of people's ability to love each other and as a result of that, people might lean more deeply into the Mars Hades that we have happening on this day, which has to do with vulgar, atrocious actions that people take out against each other. Today is an awful day. 
Now, Venus-Saturn, we sometimes find Venus-Saturn in the charts of people who have been married for a very long time. Saturn has to do with long-lastingness and Venus has to do with love. So sometimes we find people who are Venus-Saturn and they've been married for 45 years. This is also something that happens. However, I will say that that is the exception and not the rule. Because more often than not, Venus-Saturn has to do with the hindrance in love than it has to do with the longevity of love. And whenever I've gotten somebody's love story wrong by interpreting their Venus-Saturn, my default for Venus-Saturn is always going to be divorce. I have blind sides within my astrology. I'm not perfect. No astrologer is perfect. And more often than not, when I see Venus-Saturn, it looks like a duck. It smells like a duck. It sounds like divorce. It probably is divorce, in my opinion. And then those people turn around and they say, no, I've been married for the last 65 years. Well, if they've been married for 65 years, they'd have to be. Anyway, they've been married for the last 65, 75 years or what have you. And they married each other when they were 15 years old. Sometimes that does occur, but it's definitely the oddity than the actual rule. And who knows, maybe I'll still get Venus-Saturn wrong 10 years from now because Venus-Saturn tends to manifest more strongly in terms of separation and love than it does in terms of long-lastingness and love. If you're somebody who has Venus in a hard aspect relationship with Saturn in your chart, that could be Venus conjunct Saturn, semi-square Saturn, square Saturn, sesquiquadrate Saturn, opposite Saturn. What else? Venus parallel Saturn, contraparallel Saturn, antitious Saturn, contra-antitious Saturn. If you are a Venus-Saturn person and you have the world's best relationship, let us know down below. And also, if you're a Venus-Saturn person and you have a series of awful relationships, also let us know down below for the science of astrology. So that's how Venus-Saturn manifests. Now, moving on through this day, we have the sun ingressing into Sagittarius, and that's happening at 9.02 a.m. EST. Not much to say about the sun ingressing into Sagittarius at all, truthfully, other than the fact that it's happening, and other than the fact that sometimes you can do a monthly prediction based on the sun's ingress into the 12 signs of the zodiac. I don't necessarily practice monthly mundane prediction in that way because I just personally feel as if the sun is more associated with the year and therefore if I'm going to do anything solar based, chances are it's going to be indicative of the year, of the entire year, which is why we cast the Aries ingress chart as a predictive measure for the entire year. Whereas when it comes to monthly predictions, month sounds like moon. It's a month. Therefore, I would rather use the lunation chart as a monthly predictive chart as opposed to the sun ingressing into a particular sign of the zodiac as a monthly predictive chart. I'm not the boss of anyone. You could do whatever you like. You could also do the sun's ingress into the signs and see if that works for you. I just don't do it. So we have the sun ingressing into Sagittarius, and that's happening at 9.02 a.m. EST. Moving on, we have the moon making her final aspect 
on this day, which is her trine to Mars, and that's happening at 10.09 a.m. EST, after which the moon is going to be void, of course, until 12.19 p.m. EST. So if you have something to do, try not to do it between 10.10 a.m. EST and 12.20 p.m. EST. Do it at 12.21 just so that the moon has some cosmic juice behind her. So that's happening on November 22nd, 2023. Moving on through, we have the moon ingressing into Aries, which we just spoke about. The next aspect we have on this day is the sun in the sesquiquadrate relationship with Kronos, and that's happening at 5.55 p.m. EST. Once again, Kronos is representing independence, authority, state, the highest forms of leadership. Kronos is representing the chief, the president, the boss, our ability to do everything in the highest possible way. Kronos has to do with everything that is above or beyond average. So we have the Sun Kronos, which is actually quite nice. On a day that's so awful, Sun Kronos is quite nice. But I believe that the Sun Kronos is happening on this day as a response to the Mars Hades that happened at the beginning of this day. Sun Kronos has to do with the power of the state. It has to do with the king or the ruling person, the ruling president. It is the formula for the leader. So if you're somebody with Sun Kronos in any hard aspect relationship within your chart, then chances are you are someone who occupy a very high role of leadership within your life or your father is somebody who occupied a very high role of leadership within society in general. So that's the Sun Kronos. It also represents a day of independence. So possibly as a result of some of the challenges and the trauma that we see starting off this day, November 22nd, there is this larger call where a leader arises and calls for independence or calls for sovereignty or calls for authority over himself and his state or who knows how this is going to manifest the point is that on a very ugly day we also see the uprising of a declaration of independence and we also see the uprising of somebody to spearhead that march towards independence so all of these things are happening on november 22nd it's a cantankerous day with a silver lining now, the next thing we have happening on November 22nd, and the final thing we have happening on November 22nd is Mercury in a sesquiquadrate relationship with Vulcanus, and that's happening at 11.53 p.m. EST. Mercury has to do with our thought process. Vulcanus has to do with might. Therefore, Mercury Vulcanus has to do with mighty exerted thinking. Vulcanus, like I said earlier, is the Uranian astrology planet for volcanoes which is why I've been speaking about volcanoes pretty much for the entire month of October. And we saw that volcanic eruption in Japan, which is now creating a new island, which is spookily weird that we saw it using the Uranian astrology spooky planets that technically don't exist. So Vulcanus is having to do with the greatest strength, force, might, energy, power. When I think of Vulcanus, I think of something that has the ability to magnify anything that it is in contact with. So Mercury Vulcanus has to do with this magnification of our communication or us speaking in a more forceful manner or us saying things or declaring things on this day that are of mighty importance, not just to ourselves, but to everyone around us. So once again, 22nd of November, very ugly day. 
But we do see on this day the rising of a leader, and we also see on this day mighty words or mighty thoughts or important news or important information and important press release that's happening as well. And so probably the ugliness of this day triggers all of these things into effect, which causes us to end up having a massive press release at the end of the day regarding a response to the ugliness that we saw at the beginning of the day. So that is the Mercury-Volcanus combination ending November 22nd, 2023. November 23rd is a bad day. It's not the worst day because the 22nd was the worst day. And then the 20th was just bad. So November 23rd is also a bad day. On this day, we have the sun in a square relationship with Saturn, and that's happening at 4.46 a.m. EST. Sun-Saturn is a down day in general. Before we started to do this weekly situation, we used to do the monthly look ahead where I would tell you which days are the up days and which days are the down days. And a Sun-Saturn day is definitely a down day. It's a day of depression and pessimism where it feels like the sky is falling on everybody's head and shoulders. It is a day where we don't feel as if we have the ability to get up and go. We all feel lethargic. We all feel stuck. We all feel depressed. We're being separated from others and we all feel isolated and lonely. The isolation comes from Saturn and the separation or the physical experience of that isolation comes from the sun. So sun-Saturn, physical isolation is what we're seeing on this day. Now, this is also the combination for a teacher. A sun-Saturn person tends to be a very good teacher in general. Wink, wink. A sun-Saturn person is a great teacher in general. So on this day where we're faced with all of these difficulties and challenges, this can also be a day where we are learning the greatest lessons that need to be learned in general. It's not a great day. And I think that this is probably, if I'm not mistaken, in the United States of America, this is Thanksgiving of all days. Jeez Louise. It's Thanksgiving in the United States of America, and it's not looking like the best Thanksgiving in the world. I'll tell you that much. It's looking like a pretty, pretty, pretty heavy, awful day. And on days like this, we don't really feel as if there's much to be grateful for because on days like this, it feels as if we are surrounded with difficulties and hindrances and as if the sky is falling and as if we're really not feeling that inspired or that enthusiastic about doing anything. So all of that is happening on the 23rd of November. Not all of that. That's the only thing really happening on the 23rd of November. But it's kind of interesting that... The Sun-Saturn combination, which is a combination of famine, actually, is happening on a day when the majority of people in the United States of America are going to be feasting. So who knows what this day actually has in store for us. Now, for some silver lining. November 24th is the best day of this coming week. November 24th, we have Uranus in a sesquiquadrate relationship with Cupido, and that's happening at 1.25 a.m. EST. Now, this is really important because Uranus and Cupido are very, very slow-moving planets, and so having Uranus and Cupido come together is kind of just as monumental as having Jupiter in a square relationship with Saturn 
or having any of our traditional slower moving planets making a very intense hard aspect. Within Uranian astrology, Cupido represents the family and marriage and society and sociability and our ability to connect with a group or a tribe or a club or an association. It also has to do with art and Uranus, as we know, has to do with astrology. I like to think that Uranus Cupido has to do with a day where the family of astrologers around the world are being given their rightful due. Who knows? Hopefully, it's a very positive day for astrology. And Uranus Cupido coming together is actually a wonderful day for astrology. It's a wonderful day for your astrology practice. Go and do a special for your astrology clients or send out your newsletter on this day because it's a wonderful day for the community of astrologers to be supported by the world at large. Great day for astrology. Now, Uranus Cupido can also have to do with a sudden wedding or a sudden unexpected partnership. It also has to do with that one person who gets up at the wedding when the officiator says, if anybody knows why these two people shouldn't be lawfully wed, speak now or forever hold your peace. Uranus Cupido is the person who stands up at the wedding and says, I have something to say, I object. So, on this day, we could have sudden surprise mergers or sudden surprising partnerships with people. It could be a day where we're hearing about a massive marriage in the world at large between very high profile social people that we weren't expecting to happen. Maybe those people come from completely different backgrounds. Maybe those people come from two completely different religious backgrounds and they get married. And that is something that we start to hear about on our news cycles on this day. Be it resolved, Uranus and Cupido has to do with us creating surprising connections and it also has to do with us creating associations based on futurity or us creating associations based on moving the world forward in terms of innovations in technology and energy and how we use these things in general. So Uranus Cupido is a wonderful combination and this is happening on the 24th of November. Also on this day, we have Mars ingressing into Sagittarius. I don't have much to say about that. That's happening at 5.14 a.m. EST. So just to know that that's happening in the sky, we have Mars ingressing into Sagittarius. The next thing we have happening on this day, which is also wonderful, is Mercury in a semi-square relationship with Apollon. And that's happening at 7.32 a.m. EST. The glyph of Apollon looks like the glyph of Jupiter and Gemini. Apollon has to do with glory and the greatest success, but it also has to do with width and breadth, and it also has to do with internationality and being able to be in conversation with people from far distant countries. It has to do with us being able to expand our specific territory of what we know and who we know in order for that to include a much larger international community. Apollon has to do with science and the concepts of far and wide, so distance as well. 
It also has to do with peace and peaceful enterprises. So on this day, we have Mercury in a semi-square relationship with Apollon. And those two things together have to do with the knowledge of languages. It could also be someone who's gifted at speaking foreign languages, but it's definitely a day when there is this emphasis on communicating with our foreign colleagues, and it's a day of foreign affairs in general. Once again, we could say that this entire period of time that we find ourselves in is a period of intensified internationality, but today we're hearing positive things coming from our foreign allies, and it can be a day of commerce and trade and peace in general, where there is this willingness to exchange ideas and concepts about betterment and the future. So today is a wonderful day, the 24th of November. Moving on, the next thing that we have happening is the moon will make her last aspect on this day to Pluto before going void, of course. That's going to be happening at 12.40 p.m. EST. Not much to say about the moon square Pluto. Actually, I have much to say about the moon square Pluto. I've spoken about it so many times before. But the rules for planetary pictures, which is our specific book that we use in Uranian astrology, says that this has to do with public changes or unstable conditions of the public. And it also has to do with changes that come and go fast. But from a more practical perspective, it has to do with fickle women. That's a direct quote from the book Rules for Planetary Pictures. And usually when we have this natally, it could represent that our mothers specifically manifest in our lives in a more debilitating or challenging sort of way. So that's something that we see with the moon Pluto. It isn't something that is having the sort of global impact as what I described earlier, because it's a transit of the moon. And we know that the moon moves very quickly. Now, if this were the Aries ingress chart and we had moon square Pluto within the Aries ingress chart, then that would be another story entirely, but we don't. Moving on through on this day, we have the moon ingressing into Taurus and that's happening at 3.28 p.m. EST. Nothing much to say about this other than the fact that Taurus is the exaltation sign of the moon. The moon loves being in Taurus. We love the moon being in Taurus. So if you're waiting to elect something under an auspicious sky, then waiting for the moon to ingress into Taurus at 3.28 p.m. EST is going to be your magic time. Moving on, we have Mars in a sesquiquadrate relationship with Kronos, and that's happening at 5.14 p.m. EST. Mars Kronos has to do with autocrats or people who act independently or people who don't necessarily take the counsel of those around them because they just care about what they have to say, what they have to do, how they want to respond to a situation. Mars Kronos also has to do with the power of the state or the rule or law enforcing arm of the government, which is why Mars Kronos also has to do with police officers in general. So on this day, we could be hearing some positive things occur in the news. And I say positive just because we had the Mercury semi-square Apollon earlier, and we think that this is a day of good news in general. 
the Mars Chronos could say that the police enter our news cycles more strongly on this day. This could be a day where there's something happening in terms of the police department that catches us by storm and the police are the only thing that we're hearing about on this day on our news cycles just because Mars Chronos has to do with the police. I would like to think that the things we hear about the police on this day are positive things and let's just cross our fingers and hope that that's the case. This day is ending deplorably because we have Venus in the Sasquatch quadrate relationship with Admetos and that is happening at 8.18 p.m. EST. Why do I say it's ending deplorably? Venus Admetos is kind of similar to Venus Saturn but of a different nature. Admetos has to do with the power of death. Admetos has to do with a force that shrinks, a force that shrivels, a force that makes things small. Admetos has to do with our greatest hindrances in general. It has to do with separation and death and all of these things that don't really allow us to have much expressiveness within ourselves. The glyph of Admetos looks like the glyph of Taurus with a cross passing through it. So I like to think of Venus Admetos as Saturn in Taurus. And when I think about Saturn in Taurus, I think about what's his face? Stonewall Jackson. Not necessarily because of anything specific about Stonewall Jackson, but because his name was Stonewall. This day could be a Stonewall sort of day as far as love and the easy expression of love is concerned. Venus and Mitos has to do with being connected in love and friendship with a few people because Admetos tends to make things smaller and it can also make our social network a lot smaller as well. This combination is a great combination in terms of us being loyal in our love connections because our love connections are so small that we can't help but want to be loyal within them. So that's the positive thing about the Venus and Mitos, but it also has to do with frigidity in love or a feeling of heartlessness or a feeling of coldness in love or a feeling of having our love inclinations turned inwards or not necessarily being able to express them outwardly in the world. And at this period of time that we find ourselves in, we do want to be able to express love outwardly in the world. So the day is ending in a way that doesn't correspond with how it began, which isn't necessarily the best thing in the world. And so we want to be mindful of this as we end the day on November 24th, 2023. It's happening at 8.18 p.m. To top off our very challenging and difficult and ugly and chaotic week ahead, we have Mars square Saturn on the 25th of November 2023 and that's happening at 11.57 a.m. EST. Within cosmobiology, we call Mars Saturn and specifically the Mars Saturn midpoint the death axis. And within Uranian astrology, Mars Saturn is the specific formula for death. Mars-Saturn isn't good. Mars-Saturn has to do with evil, destructive energy. Mars-Saturn has to do with a destructive force because we're bringing together the lesser and the greater malefic. So it's a very, very, very highly challenging sort of day. And it can indicate a very, very challenging period that we find ourselves entering. Mars-Saturn is also the combination that we look 
for within Uranian astrology if we're going to look and see if somebody is losing their job within a particular period of time we investigate what's going on with their Mars Saturn midpoint because Mars Jupiter might represent successful work Mars node might represent our working connections Mars standing on the cardinal axis might represent the work we do in the world in general, but Mars Saturn represents our separation from our gainful employment. And if we have planets standing on our Mars Saturn midpoint, those planets can also represent the reason why we find ourselves having to separate from our gainful employment. So Mars Saturn is a very, very challenging combination. It represents sickness. It is a combination of disease. It is a combination of enforcing a law of separation upon people where you put a very real division between people and these people are forced to be on one side of that division and the other people are forced to be on the other side of the division. It is a forced separation. It's not a good feeling combination and it's what we have active in the sky on the 25th of November 2023 at 11.57 a.m. EST. To end this day, we have Mercury in the sesquiquadrate relationship with Jupiter and that's happening at 3.40 p.m. EST. For me, all that means is the news. In the same way as earlier, when we saw Mercury in a semi-square relationship with Apollon on the 24th of November, for me, that was indicative of the sort of news that we would hear happening on the 24th. And similarly, on the 22nd, we had Mercury in a sesquiquadrate relationship with Vulcanus, which also has to do with the important news we're hearing on that day. So what we keep on seeing within this week ahead is that when something catastrophic happens, we also have a Mercury combination with a planet that gives that Mercury the ability to spread the news or spread the word. So November 25th is an awful day and we find ourselves talking about it. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody wants to hear about it. Everybody wants a piece of the pie of what's going on on this day. And that's why we find so much chatter going on in the air at large. Mercury-Jupiter is a wonderful combination for a teacher. Mercury-Saturn is also good for a teacher. Sun-Saturn is also good for a teacher, but they're all good for different reasons. Mercury-Jupiter is good for a teacher who has the ability to teach their students the details, but who also has the ability to teach their students in a very comprehensive, well-rounded, far-reaching sort of way. So we like Mercury-Jupiter within the charts of teachers, and if you're a teacher or a public speaker or someone doing anything where you're having to communicate vastly with the world at large, you might even be a speech pathologist, let us know down below whether or not you have the combination of Mercury and Jupiter in hard aspects combination in your chart and let us know how that's manifesting for you from a career perspective. So today is starting off with the Mars Saturn. It's ending with the Mercury Jupiter. So it's looking like a bad day that we all want to talk about. And we all want to have a piece of the pie as far as knowing exactly what went wrong on this day is concerned. And with that, we end our next week's astrology report for the week of November 19th to November 25th, 2023.
Thank you so much for joining us here once again for another episode of next week's astrology. As you can see, the astrology of the week ahead seems very heavy and quite depressive. And it's because the astrology of the week ahead is very heavy and quite depressive, with the exception of that one day, which day you'll have to go back and check the recording. But the point is, this coming week does not look like the best week in the world for many reasons, and it looks profoundly challenging. And I think that astrology gives us this perspective of time so that we can see when there are challenges on the horizon and so that we can prepare for those challenges ahead of time. So this is a week that's going to test all of us in terms of our resolve and our ability and our capacity. It might feel like it even pushes all of us to our absolute limits. But at moments like those, that is when we find who we really are the most. And that is when we discover what we're really made of. So even as we pass through this coming week, consider it all joy. My favorite verse in the Bible is from the book of Jeremiah. And the verse says, If you have run with men on foot and they have tired you out, how can you expect to run with horses? What I love about this verse is that it's saying to us that the challenges that we find ourselves faced with are oftentimes challenges that are appropriate for where we are at this specific moment in our development. Because you're not actually getting the challenges that you will get 10 years from now because you don't actually have the grit and the stamina and the maturity in order to deal with your challenges a decade from now today. So the point of the matter is if you find yourself navigating a very challenging period, then chances are you have everything that you need in order to navigate that period skillfully and with a sense of stability and resolve within your heart. But that requires all of us to dig deeper within ourselves and to root ourselves in that place and to not simply be thrown about by the changes that happen within the astrological weather around us, which is oftentimes highly reflective of the changes occurring within the world at large. So challenging week ahead, buckle up, brace yourself, but also know that passing through choppy waters is what makes all of us more skillful sailors. So happy sailing in this week of November 19th to 25th, 2023. Thank you all so much for being here. I truly appreciate being able to share with you in this way. If you love the work that we do here on the Oraculos podcast, then by all means, take a moment, go down below and subscribe to the Oraculos podcast wherever you find us on the internet. We are currently on a mission to manifest 12,000 podcast subscribers across all of our various platforms, which includes YouTube and Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well. And we're on a mission to do that by the end of this month of November 2023. The month is almost over and we still have quite a way to go. So we definitely can't do this without you. So if you love the work that we do on the Oraculos podcast, then please take a moment, go down below, subscribe to the Oraculos podcast, share the Oraculos podcast with your other astrological colleagues and friends. We have been getting a flood 
of comments and emails from people who have been saying to us how much they are getting from the Oraculous podcast now that we have switched into this new format of producing the type of content that we create. We've had people say how this has deepened their own astrological practice and how it's made them view the practice of astrology in a whole new way. If you are connected to an astrological community, then please, by all means, share the Oraculous podcast with your community of astrology-loving friends so that more people can have touchstones of this concrete event-based astrology that we practice here at the Oraculous School of Astrology within their own lives. Because the more people we have practicing astrology in a concrete event-based way, the more good we do for our entire astrological community in general. And finally, if you want to practice astrology in a more concrete, event-based, and accurate way, then by all means, join us for our upcoming Uranian Astrology for Practicing Astrologers Intensive, which begins this January 2024. I will teach you everything that I know about Uranian astrology within this intensive, and I would love for you to join us and be a part of that because we need more people practicing more robust, accurate, concrete, event-based astrology. And it's not to say that other forms of astrology aren't valuable, but it is to say that if we are going to step forward onto the world stage and say to the world that astrology has the ability to describe the world as it is, not just from the perspective of how we feel about the world, but astrology actually can describe the world that we live in, then we need to move towards practicing more concrete accurate and event-based astrology. And I can't wait to share that with all of you within our upcoming Uranian Astrology for Practicing Astrologers Intensive, which begins this coming January 2024. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for always choosing to make the Oraculous podcast your astrological home on the internet. And until next time, I'm your host, Michael A. Bryan, leaving you with peace and love and hope. Until we meet again, have a good one. Bye-bye.